Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another amazing, incredible, unbelievable, stupendous. Did I leave anything out, Lee? Uh, Fantastic. Fantastic episode of FNO InsureTech. That's right. Your single source, your one and only source. Don't ever listen to another podcast but ours. (laughs) That was kind of shameless. For anything? For anything. For anything. (laughs) All of your news found right here. That's it. That's it. Cancel all your subscriptions. Everything's done. FNO Insured Tech. That's where it's at. This is it. This is it. Once a week, your single source for all information. And well, let, let me put it this way: not all information, just anything you need to know. Anything important is here. Anything is important is here. Mm-hmm. And boy, do we do we have something important today? Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Uh-huh. I I would agree. I think it's a, a very important podcast today. But what before are we, we get before we get to that, I just want okay. to say one thing. What's You're going to be very happy with this introduction that we're doing. You want to know why? Please tell me. We didn't introduce ourselves. We didn't. We didn't. I actually just listened to that one uh, like three days ago where I talk about how we say our names too much. Uh-huh. So we're not going to say it, our names. But then it dawned on me that a lot of people listen to these for the first time because, you know, mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of downloads from, from you know, newer people. So they might not know who we are. So now I kind of regret saying that. Well, well, then we're going to go with your regret and we're going to say... I'm Rob Beller, your co-host. And I'm Lee Boyd, the other guy. <laughs> also known as the cute one and the smart one. Mm-hmm. We'll but let our audience your, decide. But, but, <laughs> that's right. So please look carefully. <laughs> look carefully at our caricatures that make my daughter cry. Um, yeah. I look like a uh, werewolf on my caricature. <laughs> well, you look like a werewolf in real person. I think it's funny. Your caricature has actually changed. Like over the first 20 episodes, yeah. yours got better. I, mine stayed bad. I just, the more you look at me, the more handsome I get. I well, think is what it is. Maybe so. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Maybe or so. Or you just get looked at, get used to how hideous I look. So <laughs> that, that might be the case. No, so no, therefore, I think you look great in it. Well, uh, enough of this. Let's talk about our episode today. As we digress. Our episode today is on one of our favorite topics, and that's the topic of strategy. Why is that, Lee? Well, strategy makes the world go round. I don't know if you know that, but we have to think about what's going to happen in the future so we can make our decisions today. And strategy allows us to really uh, have a roadmap, because in the words of my friend Rob Beller and somebody very famous also, uh, if you don't know where you're going, all roads will lead you there. And it's the job of the strategist to really get us to that finish line. But they have to build in pivots. They have to build in detours and changes because it's not always a straight line. And strategy is so important in, in our world of insurance because we're going somewhere that no one's been before. And today we get to talk about that. We do. We have Mark Fredman who's the chief strategy officer at CCC on with us today. And many of you might not have heard of CCC. CCC is one of those 
way, way relatively old InsurTax, one of the very first InsurTax. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know CCC, they are a platform for insurance-backed repair, an enormous company, an enormous platform that's enjoyed tremendous success. They're ubiquitous in the insurance repair industry, auto repair industry. And he, Mark is with us today to talk about strategy and all things CCC. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get to talk about uh, their platform. It's so much bigger than I, th- I I knew. I feel like I've been around the company for years and years, founded first in 1980. I feel like I've been around them forever, but they are so much more involved with all aspects of the life of a claim and repair than, than I ever I ever knew. So it's a great conversation. Mark is a wonderful guest on today. Uh, received a degree in philosophy, I believe. Uh, right. So a- after the podcast, we actually got to visit with him a little bit on that, which blew my mind. I hope to have him back on one day where we can talk philosophy. Uh, but today we get to talk about you know strategy around uh, insurance claims. And there were two words that I want everybody out there in our audience to listen for that he uses that really surprised me. One was patterns, Mm -hmm. that he looks for patterns. And two is the idea of inevitability. And um, I'll just drop those as two interesting points that you should listen for in our in our episode that we're about to listen to. And so why don't we do that? What do you think about that, Lee? I think that's a wonderful idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. So without further ado, here is our episode with Mark Fredman, Chief Strategy Officer at CCC Information Services. Hey, everybody. We are here with our guest today, uh, somebody from the auto side, you might say. That's maybe too much of a shortcut to today's episode. We have on Mark Fredman, who is the SVP of Strategy, Chief Strategy Officer at CCC Information Services. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Where do you join us from today? Uh, I am joining from just outside Chicago uh, in my home office. Very nice. You're, You're locked in. And you've been in your home office now for a long time, haven't you? I have, like like all of us. Uh huh. So tell me, does CCC have a plan for coming back to the office that has been announced? Uh, we've yeah, we we've been looking at um, uh, you know, what's the right time to to come back? Uh, you know, I think like all companies, um, including you know, companies that you guys talk to. I think everyone's trying to figure out what what does the world look like uh, once people are vaccinated and, and we're kind of back to normal. You know what what does normal look like? I don't think it really goes fully fully to where we were pre pandemic. We do think that there's a, a lot of value in the in person interactions, especially with customers. So I know a lot of our team is is excited to get back to that. Let's just jump in and talk about CCC, which we're quite familiar with, and many people on the claims side of the business are. But uh, if we could start by having you just share with us what CCEC is, what you guys do, and what you do at, at the company. Sure. So CCC is the SaaS platform for the PNC insurance economy, which is insurance companies, but also repair facilities, auto manufacturers, lenders, fleets, 
everyone that has something to do with resolving the critical moment in someone's life following an accident. And uh, we run a 100% cloud-based platform. Uh, and so we connect all those different companies, more than 30,000 of them, uh, so that they can come together and do business. Um, and like I said, re- resolve those resolve those events for the betterment of the industry, but also for ultimately those those consumers that are involved. So is CCC an actual estimating platform or are they putting these parties together to help resolve the estimate and the repair? So it's really both. I mean, we we look at our role as as digitizing the insurance economy and that digitization spans really three areas. The first would be digitizing consumer experiences. So the way that insurers and all those other groups that I mentioned interact with and consumers, policyholders, claimants. The second would be digitizing workflows and decisions. And then the third would be digitizing the connections with the ecosystem trading partners that those companies have. So we do kind of all of that. So we we connect uh, insurers to repair facilities for DRP assignments. We connect repair facilities with parts suppliers to buy parts, but we also provide the decision engines for a lot of the most important decisions that all those companies make in their daily operations. So for insurance companies, it might be uh, estimating total loss, uh, bill review for casualty claims, um, things potentially on the underwriting side. For repair facilities, that would be repair information, repair procedures. For the shops, we are essentially the shop operating system. So we're the lobby check-in screen. When you go to the shop, we do uh, appointment scheduling, payroll accounting, a lot, of, a lot of back office type things as well. So it, it's kind of all those things together that, that we try to enable, uh, again, in the spirit of, of digitization. So you're a platform fully for the uh, repair industry. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at it as, you know, for us, it's, we, we describe it as the insurance economy because there's so much commerce that happens across all these different groups. So just to put it in perspective, there's over $100 billion of transactions that get processed on our platform one way or the other. And that could be insurers uh, paying consumers, insurers paying repair facilities, like I said, repair facilities paying parts suppliers. And we are 100% cloud, which is pretty unusual in this industry, uh, as you guys yes. probably know, especially for a company that's been around like we have and has the, the number of customers we have. And that's been pretty exciting because it means that we can innovate much faster or our customers can innovate much faster by working with us than they might might be able to otherwise uh, on their own. We've actually first moved to the cloud back in 2003. Early. Yeah. And we've been pretty far ahead of people in terms of big technology leaps that were happening in this industry. So we went to the cloud in 2003. We introduced our first machine learning algorithms probably 10 years ago. Things that we've, we've done in terms of mobile, connected car, a lot of that is, uh, you know, that, that innovation is really part of our DNA. But again, we, we try to think about how do we make these moments better for everybody that's involved, for ultimately for consumers, but also for all those different companies that, that use our services. So you guys, you and you said it, you've been around for a long time, since maybe the 80s? 1980. Yeah, as long as I've been in the insurance industry, I've heard of CCC. Tell us a little bit about just your origin story briefly about how you got from, from there to here. The origins of the company, you know, we we really had one very specific focus, and that was digitizing the total loss decision that adjusters have to make. So back in the day, if you were a adjuster and you had to value a total loss, you might grab a newspaper, cut out dealer ads, and try to figure out, you know, what that car might be worth on a comparable basis. 
And so CCC invented the process of digitizing that. We went out and we still have today hundreds of people that go out to actual dealerships, uh, look at real steel, see what those prices are worth, and provide that in a structured data solution so that insurers can, can make those valuation decisions. And that was the first thing that we did uh, was really digitizing that specific piece. And over time, what we've done is just digitize more and more of the insurance economy. The next thing that we did after total loss was, at the time, total losses were probably 5% or something of auto claims. Today, they're about 20%. Uh, but back then, we said, well, maybe we can help to digitize the repairable process. And so that's how we got into the estimating business. Uh, we then looked at how do we digitize the interactions between insurers and repair facilities. So we launched Direct Repair in 1992. Uh, that wow. was the first time that we introduced wow. that. As crazy as that sounds, we, we still have big insurers that 30 years later almost have, you know, not even fully rolled out on DRP, you know, so it just gives you a sense of, you know, uh, the, the evolution of things. But so we, we launched that in 1992. And then in the sort of 2000, mid 2000s, we introduced uh, shop management for the repair facility. And that was to really digitize the workflows for the shop. And this was around internal management and things to make them more efficient. Uh, and then in the more recent time frame, we went into the auto uh, injury side of auto claims through a couple acquisitions, first in 2012 and then in 2013. Uh, we bought a business that looks at injury causation. So could the physics of an accident have caused that accident? And then we also bought a, a business that does medical bill review and things to uh, assess medical bills that, that might be coming in on both the first and third party side. And then we also introduced a uh, parts platform, parts ordering platform, probably around that time frame, uh, where we can actually allow the repair facilities that we have on our platform to buy parts in real time from the parts suppliers that have inventory. So it's, it's essentially the way you uh, buy something in Amazon, add to your cart, you know, you can do that. Back in 2017, we also formally stood up an OEM division because we saw a lot of opportunities to help uh, bridge connections between OEMs and insurers, OEMs and repair facilities. So really the story of us is we, we keep sort of digitizing more and more of those different transactions and flows that are happening around this economy. And we keep trying to find more of the participants that are, our customers are, are trading with to help them to bring them onto the platform and, and to, again, you know, drive more efficiencies and, and things like that. I mean, it's so amazing talking here to the strategy guy. It seems like there was a big strategy involved in this and you've been there seven years. I would imagine uh, your, your thoughts and where this company is going and can go is, is going to be pretty amazing. You're very sticky in the, in this auto industry. Seems like in all aspects, y'all are touching it which is fascinating to me. Now, what about AI? Doesn't CCC work with AI or machine learning? Isn't that a part of CCC? It is, yeah. So we, we think of that as part of digitizing decisions. So we, we started, like I said, our first machine learning model we introduced probably about 10 years ago. Uh, our first deep learning models probably about four years ago or so. And today we have hundreds of AI models in production. That's machine learning and deep learning. We actually announced recently we've got uh, more than 70 insurers live using deep learning solutions that we put in place. And those include things around identifying damage from a, a photo, looking at potential injury causation, 
predicting different repair costs and, and things like that. But we also have things that we've done on the repair facility side using natural language processing to help to automate uh, communications and texting and things back and forth with shops. One of the things that's been pretty interesting is actually the acceleration, what we've seen in, in AI. We did announce recently that we hit a 5 million claims threshold using right. at least one CCC deep learning model. But I thought what was really interesting was in 2020, we had a more than 100% increase in the number of claims using two or more of our deep learning solutions. So I think you know there's this sense in the industry that you know, AI is is interesting, and should we be looking at this? And and actually, at, you know, at least on the auto side, this is being done at very large scale today. And I think what most of the <laughs> the real forward looking people are thinking is, how far can I take it? You know, right? Like Absolutely. what what can I use to benefit from AI, and how do I go faster? This isn't something you guys are goofing around with, exactly. <laughs> Are wondering hmm, how can we apply it in the future? I mean, you're millions of claims into it already. Yeah, I was. I was just going to say. I mean, I think a lot of there's a lot of things that a few years ago, people would have said, "Hey, imagine a day when, right? Imagine uh -huh. a day when the connected car tells you it's been in a crash. Imagine a day when you can take a picture and the AI predicts the damage." And like you said, we we're not just here. We're we've been here. Um, so it's actually, you know, how, how, how do you sort of build on that and start to start to change operations and also consumer expectations when that, that starts to become the norm. Is some of it, the applicability of, of machine learning and whatnot due to the particular nature of auto claims and auto damage and that, that, that there's a uniformity you know, a 2017 Acura MDX is the same in Sacramento as it is in Chicago, Illinois. I mean, there's, there's, it's only made kind of one way. And does that help in the application, the uniformity of auto? Does it help in the application of machine learning and AI? Certainly the, um, you know, the make model year of a vehicle, there, there's some consistency there, but the variation in damage and then in particular the variation in local part prices local labor rates you know insure specific rules there, there's a lot of complexity to that stuff i think that what's probably helped us in terms of scaling ai is the things that people don't usually think about in terms of ai so usually when people think about ai they think of it in terms of training data and then model development. And those are super important, right? We've got a lot of training data. We have a trillion dollars, literally a trillion, over a trillion dollars of historical data, billions of images. So we've got a lot of training data. We also have a lot of models, like I said, right? Hundreds, hundreds of models. We have data scientists that built those things. But I think what people don't necessarily think through is how do you actually deploy and maintain those algorithms at scale? And that that's why the our cloud platform has been, I think for us, a big enabler of that scaling, right? So when an insurance company wants to deploy one of our models, we just integrate it into workflows they're already using without them having to get a systems integrator to come in and change things out. If the models get updated, we, we update those things. And because we've been in the cloud for many years, uptime performance, those things have all been, have all been tuned, right? So you don't have to wait 
20 minutes for one of our AI models to run. It happens in sub-seconds. So I, I call that the kind of boring but important uh, you know, aspects of innovation. And so I think there, there's a little bit of this. Obviously, we, we certainly know vehicles. Uh, we've been doing that for a long time. But I think that what's really driven the adoption is, is, all, is really on the platform side, some of those things. So I have a question for you. I had a dent in my car. Somebody backed into my car and I had it repaired and I took it to a shop not too far from me. It was, uh, they were in, insured by State Farm, I believe, and State Farm said, go to this shop. And so I did. And um, I was completely impressed with the experience primarily on the technology side. Every day during, while they had my car, I received a text message from the shop. Of course, it was from a platform. I'm assuming it was yours. And it told me how far along my car is in the repair process. And am I still on schedule to pick it up on whatever the day was that I was promised that it would be ready? So that is something that your platform does, correct? It communicates with the insured directly. Is that right? It is right. Yeah. So we've got about 25,000 repair facilities in the U.S. use our platform. And to your point, we have a, a solution that enables that ongoing back and forth texting with the consumer. We send over 50 million electronic messages per year through that platform. And exactly wow. as you described, it's, it's system generated. So as the car is going through the repair workflow, it's giving you those updates, but it's also two-way. So if you, if you text back, uh, we've got semantic processing, natural language processing that can parse out um, you know, what's the nature of the question? We've also had to train it. Uh, sometimes curse words can be good or bad. Uh, so sometimes <laughs> we've had to, we've had to train it to figure out cause we want to be able to notify the repair facility <laughs> and the insurance company. If, if there's something they should be taking, you know, if it looks like this consumer is getting agitated. Yeah. So we have, we've built a lot of those things in. we've also expanded that solution end of 2019, but it really picked up in 2020 is we sure. integrated a, a product that allows insurers to submit their photo-based claims to the insur- to the repair facility directly. Um, and so all those things are kind of integrated now you know, in, in that solution. Let's talk about 2020 for a minute. That must have been a very interesting year for you. I remember um, when COVID got started in, say, March of the year, that we started hearing from our customers on the auto side that volume just absolutely disappeared because people stopped driving. They stopped driving to the office. Talk, tell us about what you guys experienced with COVID and the effect that it had on your company. Yeah, I mean, we we really took a lot of pride in, in what we were able to do for the industry during that time, I think, like you said, first of all, when it happened, um, I remember there was a Friday and we thought, hey, why don't we see if we can work from home as a test? Yeah. I think probably like a lot of, a lot of, maybe you guys are the same thing and a lot of other companies. And, you know, we, we didn't come back because it, it worked. <laughs> and uh, Monday was pretty clear that we weren't going back to the office. And so we, we tried to do a lot of different things to support the industry, especially on the repair facility side. So we made some, some contributions to, to the Collision Industry Foundation. We stood up a, a website for the repair facilities for our customers that 
gave them all kinds of resources for small business things around like the uh, PPP and some other different resources. Uh, and then and then we did different promotions to drive those social distancing tools that I was describing. So things that would allow you to continue working, do do repair estimates through photos and and things like that. And we've been we've been working really closely with all of our customers as they sort of work their way back into that you know, as, as people go back on the road and things like that, it has been really interesting. And we've published some data on this um, that, that Michelle, uh, you know, and the team have, have been putting together that shows how variable the, the patterns actually were at a really local level based on the way that different cities and states reacted to COVID. Um, and so a lot of things we've had to do with people around helping them understand what does that mean for their business? How do they project things? Where are things, where are things going? Um, and then certainly on the insurance side, we had to really help a lot of our insurance customers lean in even more heavily on the digitization side. So we've, I've had, uh, we've had a number of different insurers tell us that if they had not already been using our mobile tools, and we have almost 100 insurers that, that use our, our tools for, uh, for mobile estimating and things like that, if they had not had those in place when COVID hit, they literally could not have processed their claims because there was nobody right. in the office to, to do anything. There was no, there were right. no staff appraisers, you know? And so because of the cloud platform, we were able to make those changes essentially in real time. I mean, we, we make a system configuration and it, it, it basically uh, rearranges where assignments go and, and those types of things. So it has been interesting. I, I would say also it certainly, I think has challenged some preexisting ideas from our customers about what their employees and what their customers would be willing to do digitally. Um, I think if they're, if you had taken a poll of people and said, Hey, you know, I mean, I think about like my mom, I mean, I never imagined my mom buying groceries online. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just not right, something I, yeah. I ever imagined. Um, you uh, know, the, the way that zoom has become part of our vernacular. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, the way my kids will like, um, you know, almost instinctively, like they had not a mute and unmute and do all these things with it. And, you know, one, one of them's five. Um, so I, I think, you know, that, that has really changed some attitudes. I think, um, you know, th- people probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought about a digital total loss experience before COVID. Right. We're doing no. that now. Right. Uh, That's so. my follow-up is what kind of effect for you as the chief strategist, looking at all of this new data this whole database of information that you probably never imagined that you'd see, you know, how does the world behave in a global pandemic? What kind of effect will it have on the future? How's it affected you as a strategist? It must, I mean, there must be new flashes going off in your brain, fireworks going off in your head about new strategic ideas that COVID helped to spawn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think probably it it hit two areas. One is it it did spark some new ideas, right? Th- things that again, how could you take digitization further? But it also, I think, just removed barriers that we may have seen from customers about their their willingness to to think about things in a different way. I mean, you mentioned my role on the strategy side. I, I think of my role very simply. My role is the future. That's my job. Think about the yeah. future and make sure that our customers are the winners of tomorrow. And, you know, for a long time, I think it was, I mean, for, for somebody who does strategy, you know, for uh, in different capacities, you look for patterns. And in particular, 
I always urge people to look for inevitability, right? It doesn't matter what industry you're in, look for the inevitability. If, if you look for the inevitability and you align your business to that, you're, you're probably going to be in a, good, in a good place. And inevitability is usually pretty easy to spot. I mean, when you think about digitization, uh, the rise of mobile, AI, all these things. And I think with the pandemic, I think it just really, like I said, just forced, forced people to say in a very visceral way, this really is what the world is now, right? Uh, and so that's been exciting, I think, being able to talk to customers about what's possible. You know, like I said, you know, you there's really no area now within insurance, and, and not just auto, but I think all areas, people wouldn't be willing to think about, well, could we use AI to do that? What can we get from an IoT device? You know, how could we, how could we streamline this process? Um, how do we really make, take advantage of all this different data and information to, to help to make better and faster decisions. Um, so, so that definitely has been, uh, been, been pretty exciting for me. Well, and, and, you know, speaking about the future, it's not, you know, probably every month we see a new futuristic car coming out. Uh, these electronic cars running on batteries that are super smart, that are connected to everything. Uh, what is CCC doing to prepare for the rollout of these new connected cars and electric models? Because you have, trillions of photos, right, of traditional vehicles. This is a new world that we're entering into. What are you doing to to prepare for that? Right. I mean, you talk about inevitable. You have to look at the future of the changing futures of, of cars as a, as a major inevitability, right? 100%. I mean, you, you guys are spot on. I mean, if you really step back from it, what we really do is we help to manage complexity. Mm. That's at the heart of what CCC really does is we, we provide a platform to manage complexity. And anywhere you look in this industry, complexity is going up. And in fact, it's going up faster probably than ever. Take, take literally, literally the sheer structure of a car. If you look at the number of parts on a vehicle, on average, I think 10, 15 years ago, the sheer number of parts on the car is 30, 35% higher. And then you think about how do you efficiently and safely repair a vehicle that has a LIDAR system on it, lasers, um, maybe 10, 15 cameras on it? So one of the things we've noticed uh, in the past uh, few years is this, this rise of diagnostics. So what we've actually seen a more than 900% increase in the number of vehicles getting a diagnostic scan since 2017. And that's because people, you know, to your point, you want to know, hey, I bought this car that had all this advanced technology. A, was it damaged in the accident? B, if it was, was it fixed properly before it goes back on the road? Right. And, and again, that's not, right. that's not going away. I mean, take it a step further. What happens when your self-driving car gets in a crash? Who's right. at fault? Who's at fault? Right. Absolutely. Is it you? Is it the sensor maker? Right. Is it what the if automaker? it's two self-driving cars? <laughs> Right. What, what, and by the way, take that a step further. What if there were two self-driving cars and one of those people was on the clock for a food delivery app? So wow. it, does yeah. commercial insurance kick in? If there's a deductible, how does that work? So, you know, we, we look at all that and you think about the complexity of that for insurers. You think about it for the complexity for the repairs. Um, think about just repair, repair information. How do you, how do you search and navigate all that stuff? Um, how do, you, how do you take advantage of all that data? I mean, there are there's 100 million plus lines of code on a modern automobile. 
So when you do that diagnostic scan, what, what do I do with this information? How do I, how do I build an insurance company for it? Um, so all, all, those are all things that absolutely, like you said, we, we think about. And so our job is really to, to manage that complexity for our customers, especially in a world where, and I'm sure you guys see this in, in all, all insurance lines, there's a tremendous amount of, of expertise that leaves this industry every year due to retirement. Right. And so when I talk to insurance companies and, and shops, what increasingly they're doing is they're hiring people for customer service skills, um, you know, and, and just frankly, they, they just don't have the, the, the deep knowledge there. So they're looking for, they're looking, they're, they're hiring those people who don't have as much expertise at the exact moment that complexity is going through the roof. So the only way you can really manage that is, you know, is really through technology. Uh, right. so that, that is what we try to do. Right. Is for technology to, to span that gap that's created by those exiting professionals. Uh, we have the same problem on the property side, same exact problem going on. Do you guys work on the property side at all? Do you do any work there? We don't. Really, his, historically, we've been uh, really focused on the auto side. Uh, increasingly, what we're doing is we're deploying solutions that are for insurers in particular that are enterprise solutions that they can use across their business. Um, so for example, things that we've introduced recently, that texting platform that I mentioned on the shop side, we've recently brought that to the insurance side and they can use that to do you know, text and video and different types of communications with their insurers. Absolutely. Not just for auto, really for any, right. any use, not even just for claims, could be for policy and, and things like that. We're also... Uh, going to be announcing soon um, that we are going to be rolling out a payments capability on our platform so that all these companies can pay each other and uh, and eliminate the phone calls and checks that are floating around. And again, that's something we're introducing not as an auto-specific product, but as something that insurers can use uh, across their line of business. So one of the big things that we've been hearing about in the world of investments in the last year or so is, is the idea of a SPAC. You guys have some involvement with a SPAC. Is, is that correct? What, what can you share with us about that? Yeah, sure. So maybe just for, for context. So CCC is a, is a privately held company today. Um, we did announce a business combination with a SPAC that was backed by Dragoneer. That, that's public. And so we're, we're moving forward in that process. We used to be public. So actually from 1996 to 2006, for 10 years, we were a public company. And we thought that we were at a stage in our, our evolution where it made sense to be public. Uh, we were not looking to go the SPAC route. Uh, as I said, we, we've been public before. The private equity uh, partners that we have on the investment side, they've done hundreds of IPOs. But what we saw with Dragoneer was really a kind of an ideal partner for us as we sort of reintroduced ourselves to the public markets. They have a very long-term orientation and they are really a, te- a pure technology investor. Uh, they've invested in uh, many of the leading technology companies in the world. Uh, and so we were really excited to be able to, uh, to partner with them again, to, to kind of come back to the public markets. It's an interesting process. There's a lot of specs out there. And I, I kind of joke with, um, with some of the investors we've talked to, you know, we're, we're kind of the anti-spec. You know, because a lot of specs that you see are companies that didn't exist two years ago, and right. you know they're gonna they're gonna fly to the moon or whatever three years. And we've been around for a while. <laughs> we got a real business, real customers. Uh, we have an eighty net uh, promoter score, which we're very proud of. Wow! Very long term relationships uh, with customers on the insurance side, repair facilities everywhere. 
so that that's been a, there's been a little bit of uh, why did you do a spec, you know? And it was it really was for Dragoneer. It, it wasn't for the for the vehicle. I want to get back to the issue of inevitability and working with um, customers in the insurance industry. You mentioned earlier how customers can uh, carriers can be slow on the uptake when it comes to technology. Um, what are you finding though? Do you see that changing? What's it, what's it like today as a strategist in the PNC world? Is it changing? Are you feeling that, that because of insure tech and what's going on with technology and how it's becoming increasingly ubiquitous, uh, for, for carriers to operate the attitudes and the openness is changing. What, what's it like for you working with carriers today? Yeah, I think it's actually changed. You know, I think I think that change I saw starting probably five years ago, but it really has just accelerated in the last few years. And I, I think it's it's a combination of probably a few macro trends. One is certainly the one that you mentioned, which is the rise of insure tech investment. There's been a lot of high profile IPOs of startup insurers. Um, I think there's a lot of visibility to that. And I think people are, you know, people are obviously taking taking notice of that. But I think it's also consumer expectations. You know, if if you think about it, when you when you have a great experience in any walk of life that you have, you don't assume that experience is only for that specific type of transaction. You just assume that's the way the world works. I mean, I had a I had a something, it was a some months ago when I went to order something online and they told me it was gonna take, you know, four weeks to come to my house. I thought that's almost impossible. <laughs> like, you thought, what the heck? It's, it's, the I, it's almost impossible. I mean, it's actually gotten to the point when I try to buy something online, I look to see if Amazon sells it. And if they yes. don't, I rationalize for myself why I didn't need that thing in the first place. <laughs> because it's just not worth the, the aggravation of literally doing something as basic as entering my shipping address and billing information <laughs> you know, on a website I've never used before. Uh-huh. So I think what's happened uh-huh. also is consumer expectations have really changed in a big fundamental way. And I think, you know, everybody, you know, you could think about people in their, in the context of the job that they have, right? You you work in insurance, work in repair facility, you work, you work anywhere, but they're also consumers in their own life and they have those experiences. I think people have said, you know, why are, why are we doing it this way? So I think we, we've been seeing that evolution, that acceleration, I think the last several years, it really picked up, I think, the last, you know, certainly with COVID, um, almost because of necessity, right? But, um, but I think it was really just an acceleration of a trend that was that was already there. Let's get back to connected car. Let's talk some more about that. Just uh, jump in. I mean, you you have to spend a lot of your time thinking about it, thinking about the impact that it's going to have on a company like yours. Um, share with us some thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, so connected car, I think. And, and IoT in general, which I know is something that uh, hasn't taken off as much on the property side with, with insurance, but something that people have, have talked about for a while, um, it really is a, a, a very profound technology change in the industry. And it, it's really because of the availability of the data that comes off the car. Um, and there's obviously there's mobile apps and other things that, that people use. Um, but if you look at that, that basket in general, it does a couple of things that really insurance hasn't been able to do before one is the the primacy of the of the data because you can actually get notified of a crash the second it happens correct and then the second thing is is just the resolution and the insight that you can get 
about that event. Um, you know, when you think about, uh, we have some OEMs uh, that we work with that have literally hundreds of data elements off the car, very esoteric things, ambient temperature, um, not to mention, you know, was, were the wipers on and, and things like that. And so as you think about all the things that you can do with that data, it, it really is transformational, um, not just in terms of identifying the crash and doing liability and that kind of stuff, but sending that data down to the repair facility to do parts automation, things like that. We've also uh, introduced, we launched with Honda last year, the ability for diagnostics data to come directly out of the vehicle, go into our platform, what I was talking about earlier, and use that in the repair process, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we see really un- uh, just incredible applications there. We've, we've processed over 50 billion miles of driving data. So we do things Historically, what we focused on is we, we're well known on the claim side, but we also have a lot of things that we're doing on the underwriting side with insurers to use driving data to help to make better pricing decisions, um, you know, and the like. And and as the the car park continues to get more connected, that's only going to accelerate, right? That's really interesting because like we had uh, Zen Drive on. Are you familiar with Zen Drive? Uh, I've, I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Arity. Mm-hmm. That's part of Allstate, and I mean, what their their bread and butter is driving data, right? And gaining driving data, you know, however it is that they can get their hands on it. But you guys have, you guys have an inside track on driving data. They right? have that, and 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 so much more. I mean, it's not just the driving data, but you got to think about what happens after something goes bad. You already you know, have that built in. I mean, you're just this one-stop shop. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. We look at ourselves as, you know, it's kind of an overused term, but, but really platform. So there, there are companies, a lot of different companies that on the connected car side or anywhere, they'll, they'll have a point solution for something, right? Like we've got a mobile app that collects data. We do this, we do that. We really connect all those things together. So we have driving data that comes into our platform from, from mobile app companies. We get it from OEMs. We get it from fleets. We get it from you know, black box, OBD providers. And then I think, like you said, the the really interesting thing that we're able to do is just bring all that stuff together in, right. in the entire end-to-end of the life of, of that policy and the life of that car. Um, and I think that that allows us to do really interesting things on both sides of the network, right? So if you think about for an auto manufacturer, yes, they want to monetize data, but mostly they want to give a great experience to the person that paid $30,000 for their car, right? Mm -hmm. And so some of that comes down to, they want to make sure they've got a great repair experience, right? And they want to make sure that they, they get help after an accident. And so we're able to do those, those types of things. Um, So yeah, it's a, it is definitely an exciting place. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, like, like you said, uh, may have in this industry may, may have sort of worked with us in certain capacities. Um, And so we've, we've been doing a lot of things for a long time. But I feel like we're still just getting started. Well, Mark, it, it was just wonderful getting to visit with you today. I mean, just learning all about CCC and the giant platform that it is, it's, it, it's so much more than I actually understood. And I feel like I've, I've gotten a glimpse inside it. And I can't wait to see what the future holds as things move forward. We can't thank you enough. Great podcast. And uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Mark. Lee, that was great. I have one word for you. What's that? Inevitability. 
inevitability. That's a big word. Yeah. What did you think about that insight? I mean, just amazing really to think about that company. You know, I I really take the whole podcast and I, I think about just how big that company is and how they had a vision to become the single platform for all aspects of the auto claims process, auto repair process, auto process, uh, to, to really work hand in hand. And it seems like they've done that. And, and I couldn't help but think about the property side during that and, and about how, is there a market for that? Is there a need for a single source, a single platform for all property to be on? It just really got me thinking, but overall an amazing podcast. Yeah, and a really smart guy who gets to play in a really fun, you know, playground of setting strategy and thinking about the future of such a dynamic company. Um, yeah, and that that that's at the precipice of so much change, with self driving coming up and autonomous vehicles and connected cars. I mean, it's all talk about a dynamic situation. He's in the middle of it. Yeah. What, what a neat job. What a neat job. And it seems like he's really uh, doing a lot for CCC that they are very fortunate to have him as we were having him on the podcast today. Right. Right. Well, listen, we thank Mark Fredman for being with us, for taking the time. And we thank you for being with us as you always do. And can't thank you enough for that. And thank you to Alicia and to Al, our dynamic production crew, without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible, even though sometimes they're very mean to Lee and I. Full disclosure. Not me. They're very nice to me. Sometimes they're very mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) And regardless, regardless, we are very appreciative to them. And so we'll say until next time. Goodbye, everybody.